Hello, and welcome to the SQA Historical Committee podcast. My name is Kat Benz, and I'm uh, the past president of SQA and a longtime member and supporter of the society. I'm here today with Stu Mertz to learn more about his experience with the roots of QA and SQA. So Stu is is here, and um, he has been in um, SQA for a fairly long time in uh, a non-pharma capacity. So Stu, would you provide a little bit of information about how you came to realize SQA was out there and available as a society and your early experiences with, with the society and the work you were doing in QA? Yes, thank you very much. Uh, so I started in R&D, actually, my career. So the first 20 years of my, my, my uh, work life was in, in, in uh, major sponsor companies that were doing R&D work uh, looking for new product opportunities so, and, and also solving some agricultural products. So I've been in the EPA world all my life, basically, but the first 20 years were non-regulated. So it was discovery. And uh, so I worked at the University of Illinois in the botany department and uh, southern corn leaf blight disease. Then I switched to uh, Monsanto and I worked with them in trying to look for business opportunities in mycorrhizae and corn plant growth regulators. Uh, Moved on in my career to FMC and uh, worked on soybean plant growth regulators until they decided to get out of the business and I had my first experience with being laid off. And uh, so that was, uh, I was getting older in life, so it was like, what do you do next? Well, I got hired by American Cyanamid, uh, again in R&D, but in product support, because with the imidazolone herbicides, we had some carryover experiences, and we had to figure out why. So I was uh, hired to manage a $50 million research project to try to figure out why we've got carryover. And we hired a lot of different people, and that I got my first introduction to GOPs at that point, uh, and uh, but only sort of circumstantial. And uh, uh, then from there, uh, we solved that problem. It was microbial degradation, and if you don't water it enough, you you're going to get carryover. So uh, they changed the labels a little bit on that, and I had to defend the company in a uh, lawsuit. Spent uh, six weeks in a lawsuit defending the company as, a, as an expert witness, so that added that to my resume, you know? And then from there, it was like, well, what do I do next? And uh, so they, they, I worked as a product manager in which I actually accumulated regulated studies from the different scientific groups and submitted registration submissions for product extensions. Uh, and and uh, so I actually got my, wrote labels at that point on, on jugs of new products, and that was fun. Uh, and then from there, I uh, went on to QA. And uh, because all my friends were being laid off at that point, and I was at that age group uh, where you have to worry about what is your future, and you're paid a lot of money, and, and so the next question is, what do you do? And so somebody says, will you be good at QA because you're a detail-oriented person, and you have all this field experience. So um, after a while, I, I joined the QA group, and. Uh, uh, was put into field research, auditing uh, field data and going out and doing facility inspections. So I got my introduction with that. Well, so the thing that's uh, most interesting, that I find most interesting 
is that a, a switching from R&D to QA, um, what I didn't know was this was going to provide me a career that would last a lifetime until I wanted to not do it anymore. Because in this field, and those of you that are new in the field, uh, and those of you who have only been here a short time, QA experience is valuable, and you build a, you build a reputation, and uh, it's something that you can do because you are experience is what counts. I and mean, if you know the regulators, and you, and I recommend that everybody get to know regulators as much as possible, um, then you have, uh, for most part, guaranteed job security as long as you do a quality job. Um, and I didn't realize that. And of course, there's never a dull moment in, in the job of being QA. But what I didn't realize, and, and so I want to share uh, an event in my life which was transformational. Um, I had worked in the field doing audits for quite a while and using my scientific experience because I was a data junkie, you know, and knew how, all the data. And I could find people's mistakes out in the field during field inspections. Vice President of QA called me in one day and said, Stu, we've been getting a lot of negative reports. Field study directors and their managers have been calling me and saying, uh, calling your boss and saying that uh, you're causing all kinds of problems out in the field. Um, you're, you're finding lots and lots of findings, uh, but you're making enemies of everybody. And some of them have said, don't ever let that guy come back to audit my company. And so she gave me this ultimatum and said, you are going to have to figure out what you're doing wrong, and you need to change your behavioral style immediately or I'm going to have to let you go. And at that point, I realized that QA is not just about findings. It's a relationship. And so the next part of my life was figuring out how to develop the relationships with the people in the field without raising the hair on the back of their necks. And so I drew on my other career, uh, which I always wanted to be a high school biology teacher, so I love to teach and train. And so I just changed my style to that of teaching and training and approach QA from an educational point of view. And when I, what I found was that was transformational. And I also developed the desire to want to have relationships with people. So when I would audit people in the field, the, the goal was to not have them afraid of me that I was coming out to audit them, but to develop a, a collegial kind of relationship. That I was there, yes, I had to review what they were doing and, and, and identify problem, potential problem areas, but what I really wanted to do was to encourage them to be compliant. And you, so you have to get a partnership in terms of getting people to work and want to be compliant because otherwise we're gonna come back in three years and find the same mistake. So they have to change their behavior as much as I had to change my behavior. And since I joined QA in 95, that was just a few years after the 89 change of the introduction of the QAs, we were all still learning what it was that we needed to do to be mm -hmm. compliant. And the agency on the EPA side was very helpful because they had the attitude, we're here to help you be compliant not only evaluate you, but help you be compliant. So um, anyway, when I did that, then it totally changed my thing. And, and the interesting thing, I read out, um, a statistic that 
the average QA person lasts about five years in a job because of the stress in the job. I'm now at 22 years, I'm 72 years old, and I'm still going strong. Um, I'm pretty much retired at this point uh, just because of my energy level, but when pe people are still calling me to help them with special projects or questions for Francis, that kind of thing. And it's, it's a career for life until your brain dies or <laughs> you, know, you just decide you're gonna hang up the towel. And uh, so it's been a wonderful career, and uh, those of you that are new. Um, so one of, the, one of the ways that I transformed my, myself was I joined QA, the Society of Quality Assurance, and I joined my local chapter. At that point, it was MARSCA, the Mid-Atlantic Region. And so I encourage all new members uh, to join a regional chapter and because typically it's only 25 bucks mm -hmm. and those of you can't afford the extra 160 or whatever it is for the main registration or uh, sign up uh, and your company won't support that then a good introduction is to get into a regional chapter and you get hands-on experience with your local people and, and a lot of them have regional training so for very inexpensive you can now develop your skill set in the business and the most valuable thing is educating yourself learning from others and then when when you feel comfortable then starting participate yourself as as a, a member of your local chapter and then moving up to the national if, you, if you're interested in that kind of thing has there been any particular education program or activity at either the regional level or the national level that you you've found have been has been particularly helpful in your career? Is there anything that stands out in your mind? Yes, and the answer is progressive. So uh, SQA itself has transformed itself over time and added programs and more services. So um, I gave my uh, uh, first presentation, I think it was at an NAICC meeting in 2000, and, and then I started getting involved at the MARSCA training program in, um, in uh, New Jersey. And uh, they just asked, they came in and they said, we've got a CAN program, we just need somebody to present this. Well, I, I like teaching, so let's try that, you know. So that's how I got into trading and teaching. Uh, and there you, you develop a relationship of how to do that over time. Uh, from there then, uh, the SQA Society put it, brought in the uh, RQAP program. And so I was in the class of 98, the very first one. I joined that, uh, or maybe it might have been the second. Uh, I can't remember exactly which, but uh, so studying for that, I then broadened my horizons into the OECD world and into mm -hmm. the FDA world. And so that was, again, transformational in the sense because it brought on new opportunities and, and it made the job not boring because you're, you're, you're doing these different things with different groups of people. And you're now focusing when the OECD, you're now, we now did some global work because I was with a company that was global. Um, and then, they brought in, the SQA Society brought in the mentoring program. 
So then again, I joined the mentoring program. I felt I had enough experience that I might be valuable to some new people coming in that, that had some questions. And I've done that for many, many years as well. Um, so as the society has developed and brought in new programs, then we went to these web webinars and uh, I, I actually helped with the field program for the field webinar for the EPA side of the group in terms of doing a module on, on uh, metabolism. And, uh, and I've written articles for the society. I, you know, when Frances comes and gives a talk, her slides cannot be put onto the website. And they're not even in the archive that we purchased, you know, kind of thing. So I would write an article. Mm -hmm. So I, got a, I actually was given a, a, a scholarship at that point from my local chapter to come to the meeting to help with that. And as a, a result, I had to write an article. Mm -hmm. for the newsletter. So I wrote up Francis's presentation. And then I worked in, worked in eventually was a, a, a speaker um, moderator, I guess you would call mm -hmm. that, for one of the biotechnology sessions. And I, I joined uh, the biotechnology specialty section. So uh, the, se these, the specialty section is developed as a new thing in the society, you know. So as the society brought on new programs, I kind of jumped in to participate as an educational for learning as well as giving back. And uh, it, it has totally enriched me. And, and then relationships you make over time are wonderful in terms of networking, especially when I then retired early uh, because I could. And so then it was like, oh, what do I do next? Well, I decided to start my own consulting company. Mm -hmm. So for the last 12 years, I've had my own consulting company and go mm -hmm. back and work for all the people that I previously audited, but a whole lot of companies instead of just working for one company. And that, mm -hmm. that I worked back out into the field, and then I actually worked as a field uh, QA uh, part-time and, uh, and helped companies start up. So I've been involved in starting up three lab facilities and, and, and three field facilities as their initial QA, getting them up and running. And it's just been a very rewarding career for me and satisfying for me to be able to give back to people and and it, that's it that's it so it sounds like it's been a great career right. and time is there any uh, last words you might have to uh, either on an, something unusual that happened to you or something you might want to share just as a last couple of thoughts with our new some of our newer members for new members I would recommend you investigate the mentoring program it is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, they will match you up. You just have to turn in your resume and say, I would like a mentor to, and what you're looking for in the, in the relationship. And it could be just a matter of talking. Uh, you need somebody to come to uh, for an outside opinion rather than just your company's way of doing things mm -hmm. because there are multiple ways of solving a problem. Most of the problems we have in, in QA are not new. They may be new to you, but they're not new to the, the collective group, and so it's a matter of finding who can help you with a particular question on how to solve something, and, uh, and then uh, get get in, just get involved um, with, with all, any kind of training experience. Uh, the, the college, the um, quality college, college, is an excellent program. They have really developed some wonderful courses whether you're a consultant or an individual, you're new or experienced, they have all kinds of levels of courses which are great for your training. And like the speaker today said, you just have to ask 
your boss and explain why that course would be valuable to you and hopefully over time your boss will let you uh, come to the meeting early or go to one of the quality colleges and uh, and be all right well thank you very much that was Stu Metz and Mertz and uh, that wraps it up for this time <laughs>